but we are starting a series called Epic Failures. Now, I didn't know, honestly, would this series title scare some people away or make them think, I gotta hear this, okay? And, and I, I hope it didn't scare you away like, like we're gonna make fun of people that have failed or, <clears throat> excuse me, anything like that. I believe that this series is going to be an encouragement to you. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at <clears throat> five different Bible characters throughout the month of May, and we're gonna look at how each of these people, they may have failed, but they made a comeback after that failure, okay? How many of you realize we're all going to fail? We're all going to fail, but, but we don't have to allow that to define ultimately who we are. We can make a comeback. Now, I, I had a bunch of stuff I was going to tell you about this guy, but I really don't feel like I, I need to tell you anything about him other than this quote that I'm going to give you is from a, a man that many of us know him. We know his failings, um, but the man's name is Lance Armstrong, and Lance Armstrong said this, quitting lasts forever. Are you with me? Quitting lasts forever. Lance Armstrong, rather than quit, cheated. Rather than quit, lied about his cheating. For, in fact, he still has, has not, in a, in a legal sense, defended himself from the charges that have been leveled against him. But I want to ask you this question. Is that a true statement? That quitting is forever? I think that's a great question. The, the longer I've thought about that question since I found it, uh, that statement, the, the more, not just curious, but the more I realize that that is a statement that a lot of people may, may agree with, that quitting is forever. And once you quit, I'm going to forever call you the quitter. I want you to think about that. Now, we cut ourselves a lot of slack. We would never call ourselves a quitter, but someone else in our life, our family, our friends, if they quit on us, we may say, you know what, you've had your chance. You are now a quitter. And sometimes we tend to pigeonhole one another that way. But this morning, I want us to look at someone in Scripture who had the reputation for being a quitter. I need to give you a little historical context here, if I may. We're going to start with the fact that Paul and Barnabas, shortly after, uh, the, the, after Saul became Paul and was now preaching the gospel, Paul and Barnabas, they were in the city of Antioch, and they had been preaching in the city of Antioch for a year. And the scripture says that many in the city of Antioch were becoming believers in Jesus Christ. They were seeing a great harvest of souls as a result of their preaching. During this time of, of fruitfulness, there was a prophetic word that was given to the church. How many of you know that God still works that way today? He does. There was a prophetic word that was given to the church, and the prophetic word was this. 
there is going to be a severe famine that spreads throughout the entire Roman world. We found out in history that that indeed happened. After that prophecy was made, uh, a number of years later, a very severe famine came. But those believers in Antioch were very concerned about that word of the Lord that they had received. And so they decided to do something proactive. The, 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 the famine had not even come yet, but they were concerned about their brothers and sisters in the city of Jerusalem. They were concerned about them. They realized that there, there was already the beginnings of persecution in the church in, in the city of Jerusalem. And so they decided, we're going to take an offering. We are going to take an offering and we are going to sacrificially give to help our brothers and sisters in the faith in the city of Jerusalem. And they're going to be going through the same famine that we are, but they're undergoing persecution that we're not. So we're going to, we're going to take this offering. They couldn't do a food drive because how would you get food from Antioch to Jerusalem? It just wasn't practical. They didn't have anybody to drive truck that could get it there, so they, they just did what they knew best. They, they took an offering and they gave. The Bible says that after they took this offering, they selected Paul and Barnabas to take the gifts, the offering, the money that they had collected, and to take it to Jerusalem and to give it to the apostles, to the church leaders, to use to meet the needs that would come as a result of this severe famine. So, Paul and Barnabas, they take off, they go to Jerusalem. Now, at the same time, in Jerusalem, there was something happening. The persecution that I spoke of was beginning to happen, and as it happened, simultaneously to them coming to Jerusalem, the apostle Peter was arrested by King Herod. Herod wanted to do things that that pleased the Jews. They wanted to begin to do things to Christians, and he arrested Peter and threw him in jail with the intent on having Peter killed. That night, the church got together and prayed. How many of you know that when the church gets together and prays, things happen? Amen? The church got together and they prayed. We know the story that Peter was actually released by an angel that night. And, and, and where did Peter go when he was released by the angel? He went to the house where the believers were gathered in prayer. Now, I imagine this was not an apartment. I imagine that this, this had to be a formidable gathering place. And it happened to be a home of a woman named Mary. We know something about Mary. We know that she owned a home. We know that the church was hosted or gathered frequently in her home. And we know that she had a son. So Paul and Barnabas, they come to Jerusalem. The church is gathering and there is a connection that is made there. How many of you know that that life sometimes is about connections? Right? What's the old saying? It's It's not what you know. It's who you know. 
And there was a connection that was made there between these two gifted preachers and a young man. And the young man happened to be the son of Mary who owned the home that the church gathered in. And Paul and Barnabas, they recognized, hey, this guy's got, he's got some, some raw giftings here. He has some abilities. We should kind of, you know, let's, let's kind of hang out with this kid. Let's, let's start to, to invest in him and, and see what God can do with him. And so they, they said, hey, John Mark, why don't you come with us back to Antioch while we go back there and we're going to be preaching the gospel? You can come and basically learn from you. This is, I, I feel that this is not the first example in Scripture, but it is a, an example in Scripture of an internship plan that God has. Okay? John Mark was an intern to Paul and Barnabas. So he accompanies them back to Antioch. And when they get back to Antioch, the church there, the Bible says, is praying and fasting. Now, when we, when we spend time in prayer and fasting, God does something different at that time than he does any other time. And that is that he speaks with a clarity that we can hear. And I don't think it's really that God does something different as much as it is that we are different. And when he speaks, we hear it. The church was gathered in prayer and fasting and God spoke through the Holy Spirit and he said, I want you to set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. And they set Paul and Barnabas apart and immediately thereafter, they sent them out on what has become known as their first missionary journey and guess who went along John Mark this young man that they met because there there was a connection okay there was a there was a meeting that took place because the church was meeting in Mary's home and her son would be there and the apostles were there and naturally Paul and Barnabas that's where they showed up to bring the offering that the church in Antioch had given there was a connection made there was an internship plan and now as Paul and Barnabas are being sent off guess who gets the opportunity to go John Mark the Bible says that they traveled up the coast and they, they sailed from the mainland to an island called Cyprus. Now the island of Cyprus is uh, one of the larger islands in the Mediterranean. It's about 148 miles long. It's 40 miles wide. It's 60 miles off the coast of Syria. So they had to sail to get there. They get there, there are two major cities on that island, and Paul and Barnabas began to preach in those cities. And they began to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. But unlike Antioch and unlike Jerusalem, there was something different about the island of Cyprus. First of all, Paul and Barnabas encountered a tremendous amount of of demonic opposition. The enemy had a foothold on Cyprus. And because of that, that opposition that they faced while they were there, while they were preaching, it was different than Jerusalem where thousands came to know Jesus. It was different from Antioch where the Bible says that many believed. 
And the scripture tells us in the book of Acts that only one person became a convert to Jesus Christ while they were there. As soon as they left the island of Cyprus and went back to the shores of Syria, something happened that neither Paul nor Barnabas could foresee happening. And you want me to tell you what it was? John Mark split. It doesn't tell us why, but we learn later on that his departure was not, it was not amicable, it was not, we won't even say it was pleasant. It certainly went against what Paul and Barnabas desired. It was unexpected, and they labeled him as a quitter. He quit. Now this morning, I want to share four simple, quick things about quitting. Because you see, that I'm going to just be honest, I think that there are people that are here today And throughout your lifetime, you've been called a quitter. Are you with me? Maybe maybe I'm the only one in the room that that's ever happened to. But I don't think so. You've been called a quitter. There are voices that you hear that say, you're a quitter. You're a loser. And I want to challenge you this morning. Number one, quitting is giving in to the negative voices. Quitting, you know quitting happens all around us every day? Did you know that? A management professor, Ryan Zimmerman from Texas A&M University, he says that 24% of Americans can be expected to quit their jobs every year. That blew me away. 24, that's a lot of people quitting. Quitting happens around us everywhere. People are quitting on, on, on their jobs. They're quitting on their communities. They, they quit on their fam. Quitting happens everywhere. Just, it's, it's everywhere. It's all over the place. The book of Acts doesn't tell us why Mark, John Mark quit. But it happened immediately after this very extremely difficult time in Cyprus. And it certainly makes sense that that John Mark might have been really discouraged by the difficulties thinking that the call of God was going to be easier. To think that the call of God, would, when I preach the gospel, it's just going to happen a lot easier. That people are going to come to know Jesus. Let me tell you what quitting takes the form as before it ever gets acted out. It takes the form of discouragement, which is like a voice in our heads saying, it's just not possible. When there's that kind of silence, I know that I might be touching a, a sensitive spot in our lives. Do you ever struggle with negative voices in your mind? Do you ever have someone in your life that might have even told you that you weren't worth it or worth very much? Do those voices tell you that you don't have anything to offer? Do they, do the, the people, some of those people, do they tell you that there's nothing special about you and, and you just allow that voice to reverberate again and again in your mind? Do you tell yourself, if I can't be perfect, then why try at all? Do those voices say that it won't make a difference if you quit because no one will notice anyway? 
I want to tell you something. Those voices are not the truth. Those voices are lies. And they emanate from the very pit of hell. Are you with me? Those are not the truth. You see, Paul said in God's word, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear. That spirit of fear, when it gets inside of us, that's the voices, man. And they just begin to lie to us again and again. But God has given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I love Psalm 118.6. It says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I want to encourage you that if you've got those negative voices in your mind, that you choose to ignore those lies in favor of the truth. The truth of God's word. Number two, quitting can be the result of unexpected expectations, or excuse me, unrealistic expectations. I told the story, I don't know how many months or how long ago it was, but There was a 16-year-old girl in Fresno, California. Her name is Holland. And she was a cross-country runner, and she was at the the state uh, finals meet. And with about a half mile to go, she was in second place. It was a cold day. And the the first time the, the, the camera at the finish line picks her up, she's about 100 yards from the finish line. She had been in second place, but there's probably about six girls that crossed the finish line uh, before she did, and the camera and the announcers focus on her, and she she is walking. She's not running. In her mind, she thinks she's running. She said this later. And she is going slower and slower rather than pouring it on at the finish line. And five yards from the finish line, she collapses. And an adult runs up and, and is going to touch her, okay? Because it's, it's a natural desire to help somebody. But they, they stop because they know as soon as they help her, if she gets any aid, she's disqualified. And so they don't touch her, they don't help her, and she struggles back to her knees. And in the course of time, 24 runners cross the line in front of her while she's on her knees. And she struggles and she literally crawls across the finish line. Because of her efforts, her team actually was able to win the, the, uh, the state championship, and you think, man, that, that is amazing. Let me bring this back to our character, John Mark. John Mark was from <clears throat> Jerusalem. No doubt he was a witness to the day of Pentecost. Thousands, thousands were saved. There were other times when, when multiplied hundreds and thousands had come to know Jesus at the same time. People are getting healed. Things are happening easy. He hears the stories of Paul and Barnabas about people getting saved in the city of Antioch. And he thinks, man, this is going to be a piece of cake. That morning when Holland began to run her race, when she was a half mile to go and in second place, she might have been thinking, this is a piece of cake. I got this. 
This other girl is in my sights. I could take over first place. I could win this whole thing maybe. We generally don't tend to go into things thinking that we're going to fail or thinking that they will be difficult, at least if you're like me. I don't see the difficulties. I see, I see the positives. That's just the way God made me. It's not a choice that I made at some point in my life. It's just how God made me. And, and, and I, I'm blind to the difficulties. It's not that I choose not to see them. But we often don't go into something looking for the negative. But in, the, in Jewish society, the society in Jerusalem, there was a great outpouring of God. And now on Cyprus, John Mark finds himself in a very spiritually hostile environment with little or no impact on the culture. Undoubtedly, he was discouraged. He was frustrated. And sometimes those feelings cause us to want to return to the comforts of home. He might have expected that the impact of his message would be greater, but we are not promised that in the life of God's kingdom that it's going to be easy. In fact, the very opposite is true where Jesus says in John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Number three, quitting is about all or nothing. Vince Lombardi, the great theologian and philosopher, he said, winners never quit and quitters never win. We love winners, don't we? We do. I, I think I left, honey, can you bring that to me? Um, I, I, I brought something up here uh, with me this morning. He's not here, so I can do this. This is great. He's got a, a sick tummy this morning, but, um, but Wednesday was the first middle school track meet of the year. And um, I ask Isaac sometimes to go running with me, and he says, Dad, I'm a sprinter. <clears throat> Great, wonderful. I'm really built like a long-distance runner, right? And, um, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I got a laser beam right through my kid's head while he's getting ready to do his event, you know, and it was the 70-meter uh, run, and um, you know the they 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 have six lanes, and so there's there's two Bothwell kids. There's lane one and lane six because they have so many kids. They have like 130 kids on the team, and so and then there's like I don't know. There might even be 10 heats that they run. Okay, so the first the first heat, uh, and and I was just observing this one kid. I'm like that kid looks more like a man than an eighth grader. Okay, <laughs> and um and then I see right behind him in the next heat is this precious, good-looking, you know, kid that, that you know, I, and I'm, my heart is just so connected to, and he's in heat number two, and I'm like, oh, no. He's in heat number two. I'm, I'm, I'm immediately, I'm worried. I'm like, he's, if he doesn't do well, he's going to be crushed, you know. I, right? Are you with me? And, and he is in heat number two, and I, I got to watch him run. He wins his heat. I'm like, yes, this is all, yes. Heat number, maybe heat number one next week. Who knows? I'm excited, right? I'm at, why? Because he's mine. I'm excited. And later in the afternoon, because I had to leave to come back here for a meeting, my wife texts me and she said, he got fifth overall. 
And I, I was like, are you kidding me? He really is a sprinter. <laughs> we, 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 we love winners. I, you know, I, I've told him 20 times, I am so proud of you. Because I didn't win one of these in track. <laughs> I may be living vicariously through my child. But we love winners. Let me tell you about one guy. When he was eight, his mother died. When he was 21, he lost his job due to no fault of his own. At 22, he was unsuccessful in a a bid to be elected to the state legislature. 23, he assumed half the debt on a purchased business with a friend. When the bill came due, the note came due, it couldn't be paid, and then his partner up and died on him. So he took on the obligation of paying both halves of the payment for the business. At 25, he was devastated by the death of a close friend. At 28, he was defeated in an attempt to become Speaker of the state legislature. At 33, he failed to receive his party's nomination as an elector. At 36, he ran for Congress but was not elected. At 39, he sought the job of the land officer in his home state but was not appointed. At 44, he unsuccessfully ran for the U.S. Senate. At the age of 46, he was a nominee for vice president but was not selected. And at 50 years old, Abraham Lincoln was elected as the 16th president of the United States. We look at his life and we think, man, he was a loser up until 50. We just like to pick out the losses. He had some victories. Life is not all losses or all wins. You might look at somebody and think they have the best life in the whole world. And all you see is victory after victory in their life. You don't know the losses that they've suffered. And your life is not all losses. There are victories that God has given you. We just focus on the losses. Man, I think that's good preaching. I don't care what anybody says. Thank you. About time to wake up here. I'm telling you. John Mark was overwhelmed. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, He said, we're pressed, hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. I love that. He said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Friends, it's not all or nothing. There are good things happening even in the midst of of what we think is bad in our lives or difficult or negative. And number four, quitting doesn't have to define us. Nothing? That was a good statement. Quitting does not have to define us. Do you have someone in your life who can tell you like it is? Do you have that person in your life? For me, it it, it was always my mom, okay? My dad... My dad says something to me. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm really, I was a compliant child, but if my dad says something to me and, and if I think I've got an angle, I'm not going to let him off the hook, okay? 
I'm going to challenge it and we're going to work. My mother, uh-uh. Not, and she was, there was not a mean bone in her body. We, we, you know how when you, when you lose a parent and you reflect with your siblings, and when my brothers and I talk about it, she was like the velvet hammer, okay? You never knew that you were being disciplined, okay? It was just always soft and cuddly, but I'm telling you there were stars circling your head when she came in and, and she let you know what was what but she could always tell us the way it was. I'm going to share with you something very personal. One day she and I were having a conversation, and she said, Kevin, you've never finished anything in your life. I was a young man. If I remember correctly, I was, I was under 20 when she told me. That was the velvet hammer right there. This is the woman that fasted for me while I was at Bible camp. This is the woman that was, that was there to band-aid my scrapes and dry my tears as a child. That sentence reverberated through my mind as I prepared to leave for college. It was years later that my pastor, it was actually, it was probably close to 20 years later, the pastor that I worked for called me into his office one day and he said, Kevin, whatever you said you could do, you've done. Now relax. I, I tell you, I lived. When I heard my mother say that, she didn't call me a quitter directly, but in my spirit, that's what I felt. I felt that she said, you're a quitter. Not that she was accusing, she was trying to help me. She was trying to, 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 to speak life to me. And for those 20 years, I lived with that sense of urgency that I not be a quitter, that it would not be the epitaph of my life. In Acts 15, we read that Paul and Barnabas are gonna, they're gonna go and they're gonna, they're gonna head out on another missions trip and they're getting ready and they're, they're going through their checklist and they come to, to that, that checklist and they, all right, intern, who are we taking? And Barnabas says, John Mark. Paul says, no way. He's a quitter. We're, we're not taking him. Are you kidding me? He is a quitter. I want, come on, let's just be honest. If you knew the Apostle Paul was disappointed with you, how would you feel? I'd feel like quitting. Let's just be honest. That is not a guy you want to tick off. You, do not, you want to be able to put him down as a reference on your, on your job application, your resume, not as somebody, hey, don't call, don't call Paul. He's not going to give me, a, we had a little falling out. Can you imagine how John Mark must have felt? But I want to tell you something. It didn't stay there. This, this division between Paul and Barnabas was so strong over John Mark that they split up the band, okay? And we're not talking about the Beatles here, okay? We're talking about Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas decides to take John Mark with him. And guess where they go first? Cyprus. 
That's where Barnabas was from. He knew the place. And I'm telling you something. When you think you can't get back and you think you've quit and that it's all over, I'm telling you what, God wants to take you back to the place you quit. There are no shortcuts, honey. God wants to lead you through that. And I believe that God is going to bring you back. We see throughout Paul's writings that, that, that Paul's attitude toward John Mark changed radically. He refers to John Mark. I'm just going to read 2 Timothy 4.11. He's in prison when he writes and he says, only Luke is with me. He says, get Mark. This is John Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. John Mark did not allow the fact that Paul thought he was a quitter to stop him. There may be voices in your head or voices in your family and they're saying you're a quitter. You're a loser. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to accomplish anything. But I want you to know that the end is not over. The final chapter in your life has not been written. John Mark, every time you open your Bible, what do you do to find out where you need to be? Matthew, Mark. That was written by John Mark. He wrote one of the books of the Bible. He wrote one of the Gospels about Jesus about the crucifixion, about the resurrection. Don't give in to the negative voices. Yeah, we got to have reasonable expectations, but life is not all or nothing. It's not all bad or all good. We, we know that there's some of each, and Jesus said we're going to have trouble. But your mistakes do not define who you are. Paul said this, and I close with, second, or with Philippians 3, verse 4. He said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. The prize. It's not over yet. We're still pressing on. We're still, we're still working at it. I don't care if, if, if you quit everything in your whole life. I believe that God has a plan for you right now to start finishing. Are you with me? Because when you cross that line, he wants to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't care what the voices are. I don't care how negative they've been. I believe that God has a plan for you. Would you stand with me? Father, I thank you for this word that you've placed in my heart today. You've placed it in my heart as an encouragement to the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that the one that's here today, and, and I know it's not one, I know it's many, 
They're so discouraged. Life has not turned out exactly the way they thought it was going to. They thought it'd be maybe a lot easier because they heard stories from their siblings or their parents or their friends that life was going to be easier, that marriage was going to be easier, that raising kids was going to be easier, that a career was going to be easier, and it hasn't proven to be that. It has proven to be difficult. Maybe they're tempted to give up or maybe they've already thrown in the towel. Those negative voices... They're telling them you'll never be worth anything. You are a quitter. And they have gone on and they're living day to day with those voices rumbling around in their heads. And they've believed it. Father, I pray that today, Lord, that your children would be encouraged. That they would be lifted up. That they would have the sense that God is not finished with me yet. He's not done with me. He has plans for me. And it doesn't matter that I failed in the past. There are victories that are ahead for me.